Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with my co-hosts, Blake Alderman and Brett Diogardi. Guys, uh, I think we should start by talking about some of the news out of Florida this week. Um, Dan Mullen comes out Monday press conference. We, uh, we talked to him for a little bit, and we had talked Saturday after the game with him extensively. I thought kind of had a shift in tone to, towards maybe taking a little bit more accountability, a little bit more, more responsibility for kind of the direction that things have headed here in year four. Monday was a little bit more, um, I don't want to say combative because that's not the right word, but a little bit shorter. Um, it was very much clear that Dan Mullen was, was ready to get out of that media setting. And, and maybe that's, you know, a, a sign that he's really ready to kind of focus the team. But he ends up shutting down media availability for the rest of the team for the week. Brett, what is your takeaway from him doing that? You know, is that circling the wagons? What do you think Dan Mullen's trying to get out of that? Um. I kind of view it in two ways. I think to myself, one is this, you know, like you said, Dan, just trying to go all in on the rest of the season, trying to salvage, you know, the last four games, even though the Gator standard, you know, you would never expect to lose to a South Carolina, Florida state, something like that. You know, as of late past couple of years, it's still, as you can see, we, we lost to Kentucky. We've lost an LSU team that's undermanned for two years in a row. Now, <clears throat> I think it's really just him trying to, right the ship and lock in completely. And it was nice to see him, you know, reach back out about why he did it a couple of days later saying he wanted to, you know, get control under the situation. He wanted to talk to his players first, kind of get their perspective on everything and then go back into it and let, you know, the media know why exactly he did that. So that's my hope is that it's just him hundred percent trying to get locked in on the rest of the season, get ready for a South Carolina team that only lost to a Kentucky team by six this year it's at South Carolina. This is like their Super Bowl. You know, I that's my expectations of what I think so far. Blake, uh, let's talk a little bit about kind of why it got there. So right off the bat in Dan Mullen's press conference, the, the first question was about recruiting. And I think, you know, we've talked about it extensively on this podcast. I think everybody that pays attention to recruiting at least has, has an awareness that uh, it's probably not going exactly how it should right now. Um, in your opinion, how could Dan Mullen have handled that question a little bit differently? Because I think obviously 
he made the comment essentially that, you know, we're not going to talk about recruiting right now. We're, we're going to do recruiting. We're going to talk about recruiting after the season. And I think what he meant was he, he just didn't want to discuss recruiting right now. Right. And I agree with that. I think that's what he meant by that. You know, and I think he could have did a better way of saying it um, because I think the words that he said were, you know, we're in the season right now. I want to talk about the season. We'll talk about recruiting when it's recruiting season. And I think that was taken out of context and the simple fact of, you know, that it's not recruiting season right now, but obviously these coaches are, you know, on the phones, doing zoom calls, FaceTime calls, all sorts of things. Um, you know, this past Sunday, following the Georgia game, Florida actually had Dan Mullen on a zoom call with all of Florida's commits in the 2022 class. So they were all in there. The message was basically that this class can come in and do good things, you know, kind of right in the ship. You guys are going to be the game changers in the program. Kind of one of the things you expect of telling your commits whenever you have a season that's not quite going the way you wanted. So, um, you know, I think a better way to say it would have been just as simple as saying, you know, we're really focused on the season right now. We're focused on South Carolina right now. We do a lot of recruiting. We're really attentive to recruiting, but that's not something I want to talk about in this setting at this point. We can talk about that after the season. Um, you know, we recruit, you know, I think he could have kind of mixed some of the two quotes that he said on Monday, along with what he said, I believe it was on Wednesday on the SEC teleconference call. So I think if he would have kind of mixed some of those things together, acknowledging that, you know, he's focused on the season right now, um, while being, you know, focused on recruiting as well, but just that those questions are some that he wants to answer at this point. Yeah. And unfortunately that, you know, the way it played out, I think, um, a lot of times the reporters covering kind of those press conferences, many of them will tweet right away, you know, kind of what the coaches are saying and they'll, and they'll pull, you know, as much of the quote as they can get out live. And what happens is when you have the local beat guys tweeting that and you tweet the quote, if you read the quote verbatim kind of on paper, it doesn't sound good because he says, we'll do recruiting after the season. And again, that obviously wasn't the context of what he was trying to say. Um, but when you have kind of the local, you know, a couple local beat guys, I won't say everybody, cause I don't really tweet from press conferences. Um, but what happens is you end up when you already have the narrative of recruiting kind of struggling and you have Kirby smart making his comments about recruiting on Saturday, what happened was, you know, a couple of beat guys tweet the the quote and without the, the kind of the context, you know, national guys see that. And then it turns into, Oh, Dan Mullen doesn't get it. You know, this kind of thing, you know, he, he's not plugged into the reality and it turned into kind of a bigger national story than it needed to be. And, and to Brett's point, I think, you know, I know that Dan Mullen even took some heat for the way that he kind of cleared the air going to the Orlando Sentinel and um, basically, you know, giving them a, a 30 minute interview where he basically said, Hey, look, this, you know, this got way out of hand. I wasn't, that's not what I was trying to say. Um, so yeah, I think he could have handled it better, but anyway, bottom line, Florida ends up shutting down media access. It certainly looks like they're trying to circle the wagons. And at the end of the day, you know, if, if, Florida, I think, can take care of business down the stretch and, and win the games that they're supposed to. I think you can come away from this season with a very different outlook. It's good to hear that he got, in my opinion, all those 2022 guys on a call. It seems like Nick Evers is a guy that continues to really, really push for Florida and, and recruit. And, and that's got to be the message. It's got to be, hey, you know, we're not going anywhere. I think Scott Strickland is from, from you know, the guys I've talked to in the program. I don't think Scott Strickland is anywhere close to where the fans are in terms of maybe some of the frustration with Mullen with the way last year ended with the way year four is going. Um, Brett, I get, I'm curious when you have the media shut down, you know, we, we, we heard a little bit about Dan Mullen's Monday meeting where it was probably very animated, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> very animated to say the least. What, what is your expectation of how maybe the guys reacted in practice this week? I mean, is that the kind of thing that can light a spark under guys or, or do you think there's other things going on? this point that maybe it's not a big factor. 
I think it can go one of two ways. And really what dictates how they react is the identity of the team. And it's tough, like I said on the last pod, when you lose games you're not supposed to and you know you're ultimately going to fall short of your goal on the season, you can, you know, you can you can get a little off track, not worry as much about the rest of the season. Kind of people can start worrying about just their own stats and stuff like that. But Mullen, I mean, in my time there, we had a lot of animated um, team meetings like that where you weren't really know what to expect. Oh, we came off a loss like, oh, this isn't going to be a great meeting. And he has a more optimistic outlook or, you know, he just gets on our ass and he's like, come on, guys, you know, that's not the standard and stuff like that. So really, at the end of the day, unfortunately, it's like from my past experience, these are just 18 to 22 year old kids. So it's like it's it's tough to kind of know exactly how they'll respond. I know in the McElwain era when we went four and seven and, and missed a bowl game, kind of the season just imploded and guys kind of just had a, you know, let's just get through this season type of attitude and, and didn't have a ton of passion towards, you know, trying to right the ship. So I think Mullen has a little bit more control under the players still and still has the faith of a lot of the guys. But ultimately, it's up to, you know, a lot of 18 to 22 year olds, which they can make whatever decision, you know, and thus not really expect what they're going to do. But ultimately, I think the guys are going to take it with a grain of salt and be ready to try to come out and, and for the fans and, and for themselves, put on a good show for the last four games of the year. Yeah. And I think if you're looking at the the schedule the rest of the way, South Carolina is probably the team you want to start with, you know, Sanford right. next week, you, you got a chance to build some momentum here. And I think that's the biggest key. And I think that's kind of, that's what Dan Mullen's kind of ultimate driver was in all this stuff from, from, you know, the end of the game Saturday to now, I think it's, he also recognizes that they have a chance to, to put together some wins. And I think he even said that in his Monday press conference, what do you have to do with this team? Well, we, we've got to win, you know, winning fixes a lot of things. It covers up a lot of those potential tensions in the locker room, guys checking out. If you're winning, it, it does, it takes care of a lot of that. You're getting less questions about, you know, recruits and, and this and that. And, um, I, I think for for Florida this week, they just they just need a, a palate cleanser. And I think South Carolina can be that. So let's take a quick commercial break, guys. We're going to keep today's episode a little bit shorter, but uh, we'll take a quick commercial break and we'll be back talking South Carolina on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I've got Brett Diogardi here with me. Brett, I wanted to throw it open to you. I know you've looked into South Carolina a decent amount. Um, what are your initial impressions about the Gamecocks and, and maybe what we can expect to see in this matchup? So statistically, you know, I got some team stats here. Obviously, they're four and four, same as the Gators, one and four in the SEC, with their only win being against Vandy, which by one point isn't, you know, too glamorous of a stat. I think some of the reasons, you know, the season hasn't gone as planned for South Carolina, they average 61 yards and penalties a game. Third down conversion rate's not too good at 37%, 18 total turnovers. However, it's like, you know, there are a couple of, of good spots in, in the uh, South Carolina roster. They're special teams. They got Parker White, who's, you know, second in the SEC in field goal accuracy, you know, six in net punt, fourth in kick return average. And then defensively, they're third in the SEC in pass uh, defense, which, you know, good for them. And, and they got a defensive back, uh, I believe his name's Jalen Foster, who's having a breakout season, five interceptions, leads the SEC, 65 tackles total. And I mean, don't sleep on this team. You know, we can't go in overconfident. They have three or four backs with over 175 yards on the season. They can run the ball pretty well. The uh, pass offense is, is pretty, pretty sad to say the least, you know, 13th and SEC in yards per game and pretty much the bottom of the barrel and a lot of offensive stats, but they have a pretty solid defense. They can, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Florida tries to exploit versus them. You know, they're a great pass defense. Are we going to get back to 40 carries for 240 yards, something like that, get Malik Davis, Naquan Wright, and uh, Damian Pierce kind of going again, set the tone there. But overall, you know, they – they're all their impact players are seniors. They got a senior wide out, Josh Van, who's got 430 yards, a couple scores. And then they have a D lineman and all their all their stats leaders are seniors. So they got, you know, that seniority and they got that leadership and it'll be a game, but it'll be an exciting game for them to try to pull off the upset. But overall, nothing too glamorous statistically, but uh, pretty good special teams and a, and a great pass defense. So it'll be uh, interesting to see how Florida tries to attack them. Yeah, I think the the two things I had kind of circled, you know, when going through South Carolina is like you talked about, the secondary is pretty good. Um, you know, I think they're first in the SEC in takeaways and interceptions. With if you're if you're hearing that as a Florida fan, you're like, oh, uh, because Florida has thrown a lot of interceptions this year. And I guess uh, guess we should probably talk about the quarterback situation at Florida and South Carolina. Anthony Richardson uh, has not practiced yet this week. He's, he's working through a concussion in the concussion protocol. I think it's probably safe to say at this point that he's unlikely to play this weekend. And so Florida's probably going to hand things back over to Emory Jones. Blake, what do you want to see out of Emory? You know, obviously started the first seven games of the season, loses his job to Anthony Richardson. What do you want to see out of Emory on Saturday? I just want to see the offense get back to moving smoothly. You know, I don't feel like he's ever had a complete game. Yes, there were some games where, you know, he set some records, you know, had his, you know, first multiple touchdown types of games. You know, he's put up yards on the on the ground and, and in the air. I just want to see things go back to moving smoothly. It's kind of shades of what you see with Anthony Richardson in there to where, you know, he's going through the reads quicker. I just want to see things come out quicker whenever he's on the field. And I think that it's a tough task seeing how South Carolina's secondary has played. But I think at the same time, too, you can do things with Emory Jones of running the ball. You can really attack things on the ground. And if you do get that run game going, who knows how that's going to shape things up in the passing game? Are those guys going to start to cheat down? Are you going to start to see mismatches exploited because they're looking for the run? So I think just having him dictate the game and kind of show heading into the season, he was the starter. Everyone was looking at Emory Jones to be the guy and kind of putting that that 
I guess, those questions in, in fans, coaches, players' mind of, you know, is Emory the guy? Is he going to be the guy for us? And I think that that's one thing he can do if he can come out and he can and kind of control the offense and really kind of take the reins and be that guy and show that he can make those quick decisions. He can get the ball out quicker. I don't know if those are things that are just, you know, I mean, we've seen what he, we've seen from him this year. You haven't seen those things change. But I think that if he goes out and he attacks this week of practice, more motivated being that he lost his starting job in the, in the Georgia game and kind of going over those humps, I think this is a big kind of gut check type of game for him. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, you got to give credit to Emory, man. The, the level of scrutiny you get when you're playing quarterback at Florida. Brett, you know it. I mean, you, you uh, if I'm not wrong, lived with Felipe Franks for a little bit, right? I was roommates with Felipe Franks for two years and then Kyle Trask uh, my last year. So I got to see both sides of the spectrum. I got to see you're the you're the greatest quarterback. We love you to death. And then I've seen, you know, some pretty uh, tough analytics or uh, analysis from uh, Gator fans to Felipe. But I, I commend him, too. I know he's not playing for the Gators anymore. He's on the Falcons. But in general, that guy went through a lot through social media and stuff and persevered. And I see a lot of that similarity with Emory, like he said. If anything, it's that second chance, you know, the, to really right the ship. And I know he's going to be motivated. He's a great guy off the field, and I know he's got the right mindset. So I really hope he, he balls out and kind of can silent the, the fan base for a little bit there. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think as far as, you know, attitude, mindset, I, I don't see any way you can question Emory at this point. I mean, he comes in uh, even late in that LSU game. Anthony Richardson has to come out for a play. Emory goes in third and 12, you know perfect conversion, you know, able to get the ball moving. And then against Georgia, you know, they eventually make the change to go back to Emory after Anthony's kind of struggling, comes out with the concussion and Emory goes down the field and, and leads them on a 10 play 89 yard drive. So I, you know, I, I, I think both of Florida's quarterbacks have had issues this year, but I do think, you know, I, I don't have any concerns about how Emory shows up in terms of being prepared, um, you know, being able to do his part. It's, it goes back more to just cleaning up some of those mistakes and, I think in terms of the South Carolina game, that really comes down to turnovers. Like if you're talking about keys to the game, um, South Carolina is not a good enough team offensively, in my opinion, to really be able to put pressure on you unless you give them a lot of opportunities, you give them short fields. And that is something that Florida's done this year. So the Gators are going to have to avoid that. Um, but South Carolina has so many question marks. I mean, they, they've got question marks at quarterback uh, for the second straight week in a row. You know, Florida's opponent is, is kind of playing the cards close to the vest. When it comes to quarterback, Luke Doty got hurt, is out now, and, and they're deciding between Zeb Norland and Jason Brown, both guys that have done a little bit here and there, but, again, nothing that scares you. Um, I, I think the one of the more interesting things to me about South Carolina is Kevin Harris, the running back, was a guy that came into this season as maybe one of the best backs in the league. You look at his stats, and it really shows you how much they've struggled on the O-line because he hasn't had a single 100-yard rushing game this year. So I kind of look at this game – as, you know, Florida's coming in, they're trying to circle the wagons. This is a game where you need to come out and punch somebody in the mouth, right? I mean, you need to, from start, uh, 7.30 kickoff in Williams-Brice, Florida has not been able to start well on the road. And that was a big part of the problem at LSU. I mean, that was a team that was getting ready to fire their head coach. Starting fast is going to be a big key to this game, I think, Blake. What does Florida have to do, in your mind, to, to be able to do that? Is that just mental focus? Is it... Play calling is it is it where does the burden fall there for Florida to be able to get out to a good start for me there's a lot of different ways I think you can come out aggressively from your play calling you've seen a lot of those kind of bubble screens check down type wheel route types of throws with Emory Jones and I think those are probably the bread and butter because you see him start to go downfield with the ball and he's leading into turnover so I think that if you can find a way to smartly take 
better shots on the field and come out. And even if you come out and you throw an interception the first drive, at least you're trying to take those chances and see what you've got coming out there and being aggressive in the play calling. I also think to this team, you know, you have the story from the athletic earlier this week that I know is quoting SEC coaches, but this team has been dubbed as soft in that story. What other way to have that motivation coming into this game? You've been called soft. Are you going to be the soft team? Or are you going to come out? Or are you going to punch someone in the mouth? Like you said, and I think this is the game to do it because you're coming off of, you know, all week, your head coach is being talked about. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? You have stories of calling your team soft. This is where you come out and you prove those guys wrong, or you at least attempt to prove those guys wrong by coming out and punching South Carolina in the mouth first, coming out being aggressive, coming out and, and really finishing those blocks um, offensively um, and on defense, you know, coming in and really trying to play a, a physical game and try to get those guys. You know, I mean, the LSU comes in the game with um, against Florida with, you know, a struggling rushing attack. And they came out and had a great day. South Carolina's had their own share of struggles on the on running the ball. Their blocking is, you know, it's, it's been iffy all season. This is a time for a Florida defense to come out and be physical, finish those blocks, show that you're not soft. So I think that that should be the motivation for them. Brett, Florida's an 18-point favorite. I think a lot of people expect them to kind of come out and roll in this game. What do you want to see out of Florida for you to consider this kind of a good week? Um, specifically, I want to see them stop the run. Like Blake just said, versus LSU and the past couple of weeks, we kind of – it was funny. When we played Alabama, we actually won in the trenches, which not a lot of people expected that even though we lost the game. And it seems like since that game, you know, a couple of games like the LSU game where their running back had a career day and they've just been, you know, dominated in the trenches. I want to see the offensive line get back to where they were, you know, midpoint in the season where everybody was saying, you know, this is the best the offensive lines looked in a while. We might have, you know, a top – offensive line in the SEC. And I want to see guys like Zach Carter and Brenton Cox. I want to see us all in the backfield, a ton of tackles for losses. I know they're going to try to run the ball. And if we can shut that down early, which I know we can with big Gervon Dexter and, you know, a couple of those transfers in the trenches down low, if we can, you know, stop them with the run, then they're going to be forced to pass the ball. And obviously they haven't had a ton of consistency at the quarterback position. And when that happens, that's when you can have a guy like Zach Carter or Jeremiah Moon, Brent Cox have, you know, a big day, get a couple of sacks. And really it all starts in the trenches. And if we can play like how we played against Alabama up front, you know, I think we have a great shot of covering that spread. And also um, I want to see Emory Jones, just like you guys said earlier, have a smooth game. You know, I think back to when Kyle was the quarterback and Kyle was, you know, great at, at preparing for games. I lived with him. The guy was literally watching reruns of each play from practice, you know, each day of the week prior to the game. And I'm not, I'm not saying Emory doesn't do that. I think he does a great job preparing as well. But Kyle knew where he was going. Like you guys said, it was so quick. He, you know, catches the ball two seconds. He's either hitting someone. Yeah, it's a lot easier when you got, you know, Kyle Pitts or Kadarius Tony running around. But I want to see, you know, quick throws, quick reads, make it easier for him. You know, I know Dan Mullen has a super complex offense, but, do a lot of RPO kind of stuff, quick reads, run the ball, and, and just dominate in the trenches overall. And that's really the main key point for me is if we went in the trenches up front offensively and defensively, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to, you know, blow these guys out. I agree. I think I think also this final month of the season, something I'd like to see, and this, this will go maybe a little bit against the grain for what Dan Mullen and his staff have typically done. I want to see more young guys. And so let me throw it open to you guys on both sides of the ball. And I'll, and I'll start with Blake. Who are some of the young guys that you want to see, maybe not just in this South Carolina game, but on both sides of the football, you want to see over the next month, start to kind of take that next step. Because I, I think you're four and four. I mean, we've talked about it all, all. You know, there's going to be guys that are looking forward to the NFL, this and that. But 
Florida's got to start developing for the future. And that doesn't mean you sacrifice games. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that at all. But there's ways to get younger guys a few snaps per game. Blake, who are the guys on offense and defense that you'd like to see more of? I don't know if you count him as a younger guy. And, it, and it's kind of tough whenever you have a stable of running backs. I think Demarcus Bowman is the guy on Florida's offense in that running back room that has the biggest big playability, you know, kind of that lightning in a bottle type guy. I think this is a game where you see him – you know, kind of take that next step and, and see what he can do against a defense that, you know, that they can probably run the ball successfully on. So I think, it, again, it's tough. And this is maybe more of a selfish thing for me wanting to see. I want to see a big playability guy like that, because I, when you look at Florida's offense, who's the big play guy? I don't see one. So I think that you being that kind of guy, I'd be interested to see that. And I think for me, it's at linebacker, you know, guys like Derek Wingo, Jeremiah Williams, some of those younger guys in there. Um, you know, you're really kind of leaning a lot on Jeremiah Moon right now with him being kind of the, you know, the true linebacker type of guy for Florida. I know they'll throw in um, uh, Diabate in there. Um, but for me, I want to see some of those younger guys. We've seen Tyron Hopper take some of those steps. That's kind of always been my answer for that question is seeing Tyron Hopper, because whenever he's been in games previously, he's flashed. And sure, I'd like to see some more of him in these games, but I think he's got enough snaps. But for me, if you're losing Moon after this year, you know, who knows about Diabate? I believe he'll have some years left, but he's still not that true linebacker type of guy. He's kind of one of those guys that's caught between being an edge rusher buck type of guy. Um, so for me, that's him. And another guy on the edge, I'd like to see more Chris Bogle. I think Chris Bogle's been great this year. I think Brenton Cox has struggled in a lot of in parts of the game this season. Um, so I think I'd like to see some of those guys at buck, um, like, a, like a Chris Bogle come in. Um, past the secondary, you know, I think they've really kind of shopped around some of these younger guys. You've seen Avery Helms, you've seen Jason Marshalls. Um, but I think those are probably the ones for me, you know, the guys like, you know, at the linebacker room, like Derek Wingo, Jeremiah uh, Williams, and at that buck position, I think DeMarcus Bowman's probably the least one that I'd rather see just because I do think Florida has a really good stable of running backs that really know the offense, but I just want to see that big playability in Florida's offense that I just really haven't seen this season outside of a guy like Anthony Richardson. Brett, anything to add there? I'm just looking at the depth chart, and it could all be so simple if uh, our, our boy Ventrell Miller never went down. You know, he's he's just an absolute beast. One of the best linebackers. Honestly, I think the second-best linebacker uh, other than Jared Davis during my time at Florida. Um, I think Blake touched on a couple of guys that I was thinking, but I also – I'm a big fan of Josh Braun, and I don't think he should ever be a backup for this offensive line. I know you got, you know, the seniority with – a guy like a Stuart Reese, and I know they rotate a lot, but Josh Braun is a beast. And, you know, since he's gotten his opportunities, he's made the most of it last year. As you know, a true freshman going in in the Georgia game and holding his own. And then this past week, I thought he played great. He was one of the few bright spots on the offense. So I'd like to see Josh Braun solidify a starting spot and let him be comfortable there. Cause I know, you know, living with guys like Brett Heggie and, and offensive lineman, you know, Chris Bleich throughout my career as well. It's tough for a guy when you get thrown in, you get a couple of plays, you build that confidence, and then it's like, okay, you're, you're a backup again. You know, you're a rotational guy. I think Josh Braun has a really high uh, ceiling, and I'd like to see him play a lot more. And then also, uh, I've, prior to the year, I said I was big on Hopper. He's starting to get his opportunity, so I don't want to use him, but I do think, you know, the this, this sky's the, the limit for him on defense but also with Chris Bogle I like that call by Chris Bogle I think he makes a lot of splash plays when he does get in I've kind of viewed it almost as like when he gets his opportunities you know he gets a sack every couple of you know opportunities that he gets in and then I also think a guy who hasn't played a ton that has a really good uh outlook and potential is Princely I think mm -hmm. he's also Absolutely. a good defensive end that if he got out there you know a little bit more I think he could help out and and honestly 
you got Princely, you got Bogle, you got those guys behind your starters at the end. Why not rotate a little more so Zach Carter has a little more, you know, energy in the second half of a game or something like that. So there's a lot of good guys on the defense, but those are my two. I'd say Princely and um, I like Hopper. I know he's starting to get more of those those touches, but going into the year, I had him as my dark horse breakout candidate. And then offensively, I'm big on Josh Braun. I think he should solidify that starting uh, guard position. All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, final thoughts on South Carolina. We don't need score predictions necessarily, but I'll go ahead and give you mine real quick. I think there's two things to watch in this game. I think the only way that this turns into a game is if Florida lets the things that South Carolina is good at become a factor. And I think those are in the secondary. They, they force a lot of takeaways, interceptions. You cannot turn the ball over there. And then I think, you know, as Brett alluded to, this is a pretty good team on special teams. I think they've blocked three kicks this season. Uh, very good kicker. They, they're good at flipping the field. Florida, those are two areas when we've seen things go south for Florida. It's turnovers and it's it's giving up yards or points on special teams. So for me, those are the keys. Florida takes care of those two areas. I think they win going away. Uh, Brett, let me get to you real quick on final thoughts as far as this yeah. matchup goes. Yeah, I agree with you as well. They do have a good special team, so it'd be great if we could you know, somehow win that special teams battle. Uh, my key to winning the game is stop the run. They really don't have a pass offense whatsoever, but then you look at the stats and they got three, four guys that are capable of, of running the ball well. Zaquandre uh, White, just one stat I had on him, he's their leading rusher right now. He's averaging eight yards per carry in home games, which I thought was a pretty telling stat. So, you know, win in the trenches, stop the run, play discipline. Like you said, no penalties, no turnovers. Both of these teams, unfortunately, you look at it, why their seasons kind of haven't gone the way they have. It's turnovers, it's penalties, and, you know, third down conversion rates. So one of these guys are going to continue to do, or one of these teams are going to continue to do what they've done thus far this season. So let's not have that be Florida. Let's not turn the ball over. Let's not have penalties. And then sound tackling as well. I know we've just this whole year in general, there's been a lot of times where we've had, you know, big time plays that end up not going our way because of a missed tackle here or there, like versus Alabama in the first half and stuff. So really those three things, play discipline, stop the run, and uh, really just, you know, have a, a fluid offense and, and a good game plan going into it. All right, Blake, close this out. For me, I think it's playing a complete game. I haven't seen Florida play a complete game this season. Um, I think they played a complete half against Alabama in that second half of the game. But I think it's time to see Florida play a complete game on offense, defense, special teams, just have that complete type of game. And I think starting fast, that being on the road, I think this is a chance for Florida to go out. And I think if you do punch South Carolina in the mouth, I think that's a team that doesn't want it. I don't think that team has the pieces to play a, a you know, kind of a, a boat race type of game with Florida. So I think if they can come out and play fast, I think that they come out and they, they can easily win by 18. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you chiming in on the South Carolina game. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast. We will be back on Sunday with a breakdown of the Florida-South Carolina game. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.